Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, President Biden is gathering the Tech 5 families to discuss cybersecurity. Instagram is retiring Swipe Up. Facebook is testing a rebundle of Messenger. Airbnb will house Afghan refugees. SpaceX hits some milestones. And a Samsung review roundup. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. I hope this is more of a setting the stage for a major Marshall Plan-like plan of action rather than just a photo op, but apparently Tim Cook, Sachin Nadella, and Andy Jassy are among the tech executives attending a meeting at the White House with Joe Biden today to discuss efforts to improve cybersecurity, quoting Bloomberg. The executives could discuss efforts undertaken by critical infrastructure entities, including those in the banking, energy, and water utility sectors, to improve cybersecurity and collaborations with the government. The tech executives are likely to discuss how software can drive better security in the supply chain, according to a senior official familiar with the event. The chief executives of companies including Alphabet's Google, International Business Machines, Southern Company, and J.P. Morgan Chase & Company have also been invited, the senior official said, end quote. I say I hope this is substance over optics because we need true collaboration on this. Public and private sector, yes, tech is the vector of attack, so the tech companies need to play their part. But especially with the nation-state-sponsored activity that we've seen, this is largely a geopolitical situation, so the government needs to give direction here. Instagram says it is retiring the swipe up link feature, which lets users visit external links by swiping up in favor of tappable stickers starting on August 30th, quoting The Verge. Instead of the swipe up link, Instagram says people will be able to use link stickers, which are exactly as they sound, tappable stickers in stories that take people to external websites. The company says it's retiring the swipe up a feature that's spawned its own category of GIFs, and a phrase that's now part of the lexicon to, quote, streamline the story's creation experience and offer more creative control, given that users can format the look of stickers and not the swipe up. This update builds on a test the company began earlier this summer. In June, Instagram started testing these stickers for various users, not just people who already had swipe up privileges. Users have to be verified, or at least have 10,000 followers, to gain access to swipe up. At the time of the test, Vishal Shah, Instagram's former head of product, told The Verge the stickers fit more with the way people currently use the platform. He also said the goal was to more widely roll out the stickers. The key difference between the two features, apart from the obvious gesture difference, is viewers can respond to stories that have a link sticker, but cannot respond to swipe up stories, end quote. Facebook is testing bringing voice and video calling back to the main Facebook app in the U.S., reducing the need to jump between Facebook and Messenger, quoting Bloomberg. 
Some users, including those in the U.S., will be able to place voice or video calls from the Facebook app beginning Monday. The new feature is just a test, but it's meant to reduce the need to jump back and forth between Facebook's main app and its messenger service, said Connor Hayes, director of product management at Messenger. Facebook also started testing a limited version of Messenger's inbox in the core Facebook app last fall. Messenger was once built into Facebook's app, but the company spun it out seven years ago, forcing users to download a separate app in order to send private messages from a mobile phone. Monday's test is the latest in what has been a slow but consistent effort internally to integrate all of Facebook's apps and services. Facebook is starting to think of Messenger as a service rather than just a standalone app, Hayes says. That means people will use the technology alongside other things, say, relying on Messenger to video chat while watching videos or playing games on Facebook. Voice and video calls that use Messenger technology are available on other Facebook platforms, including Instagram, Oculus, and Portal devices. You're going to start to see quite a bit more of this over time, Hayes said. He describes Messenger as the connective tissue for people to be together when apart, regardless of which service they're choosing to use. Facebook first enabled messaging between its Instagram app and Messenger last September, and there are plans to bring the capability to its WhatsApp messaging service as well. Chief Executive Officer Mark Zuckerberg has argued that integrating the company's messaging services is a benefit to users, letting them reach more people and reducing the need to download or jump between separate apps, end quote. Or, this is another way to tie all of Facebook's apps so tightly together that they're harder to break up. Or, this is, you know, circle of life stuff. What is it that they say? Every industry, every product is just a cycle of bundling, then unbundling, 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 bundling, then unbundling. CEO Brian Chesky has announced that Airbnb will provide free housing for 20,000 Afghan refugees, though he did not specify for how long they could stay, quoting CNN Business. Chesky said Tuesday that the program would begin immediately and that Airbnb would pay for the stays. The displacement and resettlement of Afghan refugees in the U.S. and elsewhere is one of the biggest humanitarian crises of our time. We feel a responsibility to step up. Chesky said in a series of posts on Twitter. Chesky said the company would work closely with NGOs and its nonprofit arm, Airbnb.org, which provides housing to people in need following natural disasters and other crises. Chesky did not say for how long refugees would be housed or how long the company would fund their stays. The company did not immediately respond to a request from CNN Business for further information. I hope this inspires other business leaders to do the same. There's no time to waste. Chesky said on Tuesday, end quote. Big milestones from SpaceX. The company says it has now shipped 100,000 Starlink terminals to customers and has launched more than 1,700 satellites since the first satellite launch back only in November of 2019, quoting TechCrunch. It's a jaw-dropping pace for the capital-intensive service. In some ways, it's no surprise that SpaceX has managed to accelerate its Starlink service so quickly as the company launches the satellites itself on the Falcon 9 rocket. Such vertical integration is a key strategy of the space company, now the highest valued in the world. Many of Starlink's beta customers live in remote or rural areas where access to conventional broadband is limited or non-existent. Customers pay a $499 upfront cost for the service, which covers a starter kit to get them off the ground, a user terminal, which SpaceX lovingly refers to as Dishy McFlatface, 
Wi-Fi router, power supply cables, and a mounting tripod. But while Starlink's rapid growth reflects an aggressive strategy, it's just the beginning for the project, if SpaceX has anything to say about it. The company ultimately wants to launch around 30,000 Starlink satellites into orbit and expand its user pool to millions of customers. In an application for the next-generation Starlink system submitted to the Federal Communications Commission on August 18, SpaceX proposed two separate configurations for the Constellation, one of which would use its next-gen Starship Heavy Lift rocket. That Constellation would top out at 29,988 satellites in total. SpaceX also proposed an alternative configuration using its Falcon 9 rocket, but the obvious advantage of Starship is in its massive size payload capacity, end quote. In 2023, just 10 vulnerabilities accounted for over half of the incidents responded to by our sponsors today, Arctic Wolf Incident Response. Wouldn't you love to know how to take these vulnerabilities off the table and make life more difficult for cybercriminals? That's just one of the essential insights you'll find inside the Arctic Wolf Labs 2024 Threats Report. Authored by their elite team of security researchers, data scientists, and security development engineers, and backed by the data gained from trillions of weekly observations within thousands of unique environments, this report offers expert analysis into attack types, root causes, top vulnerabilities, TTPs, and more. Discover the attack vectors behind nearly half of all successful cybercrimes, why ransom demands climbed 20% from 2023, and find out why 2024 will be an especially volatile year for cybersecurity. Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. That's arcticwolf.com forward slash tech meme. Lumen is the world's first handheld metabolic coach. It's a device that measures your metabolism through your breath. And on the app, it lets you know if you're burning fat or carbs and gives you tailored guidance to improve your nutrition, workouts, sleep, and even stress management. All you have to do is breathe into your Lumen first thing in the morning, and you'll know what's going on with your metabolism, whether you're burning mostly fats or carbs. Then... Lumen gives you a personalized nutrition plan for that day based on your measurements. You can also breathe into it before and after workouts and meals so you know exactly what's going on in your body in real time, and Lumen will give you tips to keep you on top of your health game. My wife and I are currently on parallel get healthier, get thinner regimens and have found Lumen incredibly useful as a guide because your metabolism is at the center of everything your body does. Optimal metabolic health translates into a bunch of benefits, including easier weight management, improved energy levels, better fitness results, better sleep, etc. So if you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use RIDE to get $100 off your Lumen. That's L-U-M-E-N dot M-E and use RIDE at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So once again, I feel like there might be more to this story than we're being told, but Poly Network says it has now recovered all of the $610 million in cryptocurrencies that it lost to a hacker and is in the process of returning them to their rightful owners. Quoting in Gadget, At this point, all the user assets that were transferred during the incident have been fully recovered, the company said in a Medium post. At this point, all the user assets that were transferred during the incident have been fully recovered, the company said in a Medium post. Poly Network is now working to return control of those digital currencies to their rightful owners, a process the company says it hopes to complete as soon as possible. 
The Poly Network hack took one strange turn after another. Less than a day after stealing the digital currencies, the hackers started returning millions and sent a token indicating they were ready to surrender. Everything was going smoothly until they locked more than $200 million worth of assets in an account that required passwords from both them and Poly Network. They said they would only provide their password once everyone was ready. At that point, Poly Network offered the hacker a $50,000 reward. It's unclear why the perpetrator had a change of heart, though some experts believe they may have found it difficult to launder and cash out the money they had on their hands. All we have to go on from the hacker is that they were trying to help in their own way. Quote, My actions, which may be considered weird, are my efforts to contribute to the security of the Poly Project in my personal style, the hacker said in a message they included with the final transaction. According to CNBC, quote, the consensus was reached in a painful and obscure way, but it works, the hacker said, end quote. Finally today, a review roundup of some of the phones that were announced at that last Samsung event. As per usual, I'm going to turn to The Verge, because I think they do the best gadget reviews in the business. First, Dieter Bone says... Of the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3, he likes the addition of water resistance with an improved screen feel and multitasking, but the underscreen camera is terrible. The phone is expensive, and also, it is heavy. Quote, Although the Z Fold 3 feels like a refined, established product, it's still not really normal. It's a marvel of material science that's by turns wonderful and awkward. And its price is also still far from normal, too. Even after a price drop, it starts at $1,799.99. If you like the basic idea of the Z Fold but have been waiting for Samsung to fix its biggest issues, the steady and relentless refinement on display here is worth a look. If you think the whole thing is an extravagant and silly technical flex, none of these changes will change your mind. Samsung opted for an under-display camera, one of the first to ship in the U.S. The camera itself is terrible, only 4 megapixels, and even those few are compromised by taking in light through a screen. Camera quality isn't the problem, though. If I want to take a selfie, there are literally four other cameras I can use that are better. Think of it as a webcam for video calls. Instead, the problem is how the screen looks when the camera is off. When there's a brighter background over it, or text, it has a screen door look that is both ugly and distracting. If I shift my head or the phone even a little, there's an effect that instantly draws my eye. Even after a week of use, it's still happening. Samsung wants the Z Fold 3 to be a showcase of its technical prowess, but that desire has led it into putting a too-experimental feature on a premium device. The under-display camera literally mars the experience. Samsung needs to put a setting in to turn the screen over the camera off entirely and just revert this thing back to a hole punch. Surprisingly, that's my only real complaint with the interior screen, which is saying something since it's a giant 7.6-inch display that folds in half. Samsung put a lot of emphasis on how it's made this screen stronger, thanks to how it relayered the different internal components from the screen. The Galaxy Z Fold 3 is as good as it gets when it comes to a phone that unfolds into a tablet. Until there's another technological breakthrough that can change the flexibility of glass or the size of the batteries, I don't see anything fundamentally better than this coming along for some time. However, it's still an awkward thing to carry around and use one-handed, and it's still super expensive. The trade-offs just don't seem worth it. Then again, once upon a time, we all said the same thing about the trade-offs for big-screen phones like the Note. For a small sliver of tech-savvy people who know what they're getting into, I could actually recommend the Z Fold 3. But for most people, as good as it gets is still not good enough, end quote. And then, of the Galaxy Z Flip, the clamshell one, Dan Seifert, 
says, good inside screen and water resistance, but long-term durability is unknown. Cover screen is too small, and it's hard to use one-handed. Quote, the Galaxy Z Flip starting price is $1,000, $450 less than the launch price of the Z Flip 5G it replaces. That puts the Flip 3 on the same price level as many high-end non-folding phones. The Flip 3 isn't necessarily a sure bet, though. There are things it's not as good at as other standard phones. Using a folding phone like this is a different experience than many of us are used to, but increasingly those differences boil down to personal preferences and choices, not compromises. And that means this is the first folding phone that can appeal to mainstream phone buyers, not just early adopters. You can still feel the crease in the center of the screen, and if you look at the phone from an oblique angle, you can absolutely see it. But it never got in the way of actually using the phone, and after a day or two, I just forgot about it. Despite Samsung's claims of improved durability with last year's flip phones, a disconcertingly large number of them still cracked right at the crease, even if they weren't dropped or damaged. Samsung is putting a lot of weight on how it rearranged the screen's layers to make them more durable this time around, and claims the new screen protector makes the screen 80% stronger than before. The company is also giving away a year of its $12.99 per month extended warranty to those who pre-order the Flip 3, which lets you get the screen fixed for a $249 fee. But I can understand why you might want to wait a few months and see how things shake out with the Flip 3's screen, durability before taking the plunge. I don't think the Flip 3 is for everyone. There are still people out there who want the absolute best camera or aren't intrigued by the idea of what the Flip offers, and how well its improved durability holds up over the long term is still an open question, but it's the first folding phone where I can see a lot of people choosing it, particularly when it's the same cost as a phone that looks the same as what they've been using for years. Just a few years ago, it seemed like folding phones were just a futuristic experiment. With the Z Flip 3, the second phase of the experiment begins, the one where we find out if folding phones can appeal to more than just early adopters. It's an important proving ground for the concept, and fortunately, the Z Flip 3 appears up to the task, end quote. I've been testing out that new 4X Civilization clone game called Humankind, and since the Mac version isn't available on Steam yet, and that Samsung laptop I got isn't exactly a gaming device, I've taken this opportunity to test out Stadia for the first time using my month trial. Works pretty well, especially for a turn-based game like Humankind. No complaints so far, though. I don't have a controller, so I've not tested anything like shooters or the like, or anything really graphics-intensive. Anyway, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>